I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, clearly a historic day with the confirmation of Ketanji Brown Jackson as the next Supreme Court Justice. Uh, so many things to look at. Uh, what were the real stories? What were the real moments that mattered in this process? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, as we uh, covered here live on KSL News Radio, uh, the Senate did confirm Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson, the first black woman to the Supreme Court. Uh, the vote, of course, uh, was 53 to 47. Uh, and there was a, a little bit of a delay in the action uh, as Senator Rand Paul somehow had gone missing and uh, was not in the chamber to cast his vote. And so they waited until the uh, senator from Kentucky made his way into the chamber and cast his vote and uh, let's go to that to sound of course uh, vice president harris was in the chair just in case uh, it ended up being a 50 50 vote she would have been there to uh, cast that tie-breaking vote uh, they were pretty confident that wasn't going to be necessary but i also think it was important uh, that she was there and here's how she called it once the tally came in on this vote the a's are 53 the nays are 47 and this nomination is confirmed and that was a, a historic moment, to be sure. And uh, a couple things on that. Uh, one, I, I do think it was important that the vice president was in the chair. Uh, remember, that is the constitutional duty of the vice president, is to preside over the Senate. Uh, we've sadly gotten so far away from that that the only time that the vice president normally assumes the chair in the United States Senate is when a tie needs to, uh, tie-breaking vote needs to be cast. And uh, that's unfortunate uh, because I actually think the vice president should preside over the Senate uh, and that would change the dynamic in terms of what's going on in there and how that work is carried out. Now, I know a lot of that is tedious and a long slog, uh, but I, I think it would change the dynamic of how the Senate operates. Uh, sadly, what both sides have done, members of both sides have been convinced by their leaders that the leaders are supposed to decide what happens in the Senate. That's not really the way it's supposed to work. Uh, they've, they were really supposed to be kind of managers. Uh, whoever the majority leader was, it was kind of a management job, but it's turned into the ultimate political position. Uh, and everything gets jockeyed about that way. And, uh, having the vice president in the chair would change that dynamic in a really significant way. Now, of course, there, there wasn't a lot of surprises in terms of the way the votes went out. And, uh, as we break it down again, whether you th think uh, Judge Jackson is going to be an amazing Supreme Court justice uh, or not, uh, it is historic uh, and some perspective, I think, is important. And I thought Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York, uh, remarked just prior to the vote on the historic nomination of the first black woman and, and put it into that historic context. By that, I mean something very specific. 
In our nation's history, 115 individuals have been confirmed by this body to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. Of those, 108 have been white men. Only four have been women. Only two have been African-American. But Katanji Brown Jackson will be the first African-American woman ever to hold the title of justice. Think about the impact that will have on our democracy. Untold billions of kids will open textbooks and see pictures of Justice Jackson among the highest ranks of our public figures. How many millions of kids in generations past could have benefited from such a role model? No question. She will be a role model and expand the view and the vision of those who can see someone like themselves uh, in those roles in the highest levels of leadership in our country. I think that's an important message to be sent, uh, to be sure. I actually thought the most powerful speech today was by Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois. Of course, he navigated the entire confirmation hearing process as he is the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, He gave a very impassioned speech today. It was probably Dick Durbin at his finest. And there was a unique moment there as well. He praised the three Republicans who voted, uh, were going to vote for Judge Jackson. And he put uh, Senator Romney... Uh, in a an interesting light, he took a little sidebar detour, I think, from his prepared remarks and made an interesting connection from Senator Romney to his father. I want to particularly commend Senator Susan Collins of Maine, Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and Senator Mitt Romney of Utah for their political courage and their willingness to support a singularly qualified and historic nominee to the Supreme Court. You know, when Senator Romney announced his support for Judge Jackson's confirmation, I couldn't help but remember his father, the late George Romney, who served as governor of Michigan in the 1960s during the height of the civil rights movement. Governor George Romney knew a thing or two about political courage. As a proud Republican governor in 1963, he marched alongside the NAACP Detroit president, Edward Turner, in support of civil rights. That same year, when Dr. Martin Luther King organized a march in Detroit, Governor George Romney declared the occasion Freedom Day in Michigan. To my colleague, Senator Mitt Romney, you are your father's son. Uh, that was a pretty stirring moment there on the floor of the United States Senate, uh, and that uh, really was uh, Senator Durbin uh, at his eloquent best. Uh, and also, I thought it was interesting, uh, Chuck Schumer, again, I don't agree with Senator Schumer on a lot of the policy components, uh, but he does understand historic moments. I remember listening to him uh, during President Obama's second inauguration. Uh, we were sitting there uh, on the steps uh, before the president was sworn in for the second time. And at that point, the Capitol Rotunda was under construction. There was scaffolding all around it. Uh, and Senator Schumer recognized the moment and talked about that unfinished dome and con- connected it back to, uh, to Abraham Lincoln talking about that unfinished dome and that the work on the Capitol Dome was going to continue during the Civil War, even though workers were in short supply and supplies were in even shorter supply. Uh, but that the work on the Capitol Dome uh, was so important because it sent the message that we're going to be here for the long haul. We're going to be here for history. 
And Senator Schumer knows how to capture those moments. I thought he did that again today as he concluded just prior to calling for the vote uh, on Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson. Chuck Schumer concluded his speech saying we're moving closer to creating that more perfect union. And today we are taking a giant, bold and important step on the well-trodden path to fulfilling our country's founding promise. This is a great moment for Judge Jackson, but it is even great, a greater moment for America as we rise to a more perfect union. Uh, those were very fitting words uh, from the Democratic Majority Leader Chuck Schumer from New York. Uh, it is giant, bold, important step on the well-trodden path to fulfilling our country's founding promise. Uh, that's an important thing. And it's on days like this where you can say, okay, I may not agree with her judicial philosophy. I may not agree with this qualification or that. Uh, but it is part of this onward march. And the beauty is this country has never had perfect people, ever. Uh, we, we work with what we have. And that's you and me and the rest of us. But... When everybody does their best to be their best and we look for the best in each other, then we really are on that march towards a more perfect union. And if we just recognize that and recognize that there are very few people who are out there to do bad and evil and most people are just doing their best. And even though we may disagree with their best or their vision of what is best, we can still come together, and that is what makes America best. With Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.